Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate you so much, and especially your prayers for this ministry and for sharing the podcast. We're going to jump right in today because we've got one of my favorite guests back on the podcast, Pastor Paul Blair, Senior Pastor of Fairview Baptist Church, Edmond, Oklahoma. He's an author. He's founder of Liberty Pastors. He speaks nationwide about God and government as well as apologetics, prophecy, and biblical worldview. He's going through the book of Zechariah. Uh, at his church. Um, now, he also serves on the board of directors for Bot Radio and the Oklahoma Apologetics Alliance. And in 2008, Pastor Blair was one of the original 33 pastors that worked with the Alliance Defense Fund on Pulpit Freedom Sunday, challenging the constitutionality of the 1954 Johnson Amendment. We might talk a little bit about that. But Pastor Paul Blair, thank you for coming back on the podcast. David, it's always a pleasure. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, you're most welcome, sir. Thank you for your time. I know you just recently did a Zoom meeting with uh, Matt Staver of Liberty Council. We'll talk a little bit about that in a few minutes. But a lot of our listeners don't know as much about Liberty Pastors. And obviously, and you know, you've done a lot through the years trying to get pastors informed, equipped, and engaged and to go back to their churches. Tell us about that and uh, what's the latest developments with Liberty Pastors, how it's growing. Well, just so our listeners will know, Liberty Pastors is actually a ministry of our church. So it's under our church's tax umbrella. But it's a, it's a separate, uh, outside the walls of our church, uh, uh, well, it's actually a, a training camp for pastors. Most pastors have come through their seminary training, and they have been taught exactly wrong when it comes to engaging the culture. Quite frankly, you know, the Jewish worldview, and of course Christianity was birthed out of Judaism, is they believe that God created the material world and the spiritual world, and we're supposed to glorify God in our body and our spirit. It all belongs to the Lord. Yep. And of course, the, the, the pilgrims, uh, the, the separatists, were very heavily influenced by Hebraic thought, as were the Puritans. Quite frankly, our country was built on that because the pastors got it. You know, the church was in the center of town, in the town square. And not only was that where your Sunday Bible teaching uh, came from, that was also where much of your children's education revolved around. And even it served as the community building for the, for the city. I mean, that was the central hub of government. And, of course, our, the pastors of that generation taught the colonists a biblical worldview of civil government. You know, whereas the modern age, we have, we have pastors have been taught to ignore that realm. Uh, and pastors today are ignorant when it comes to biblical instruction on economics and biblical instruction on civil government. Mm-hmm. And that has become most evident in the last century, and it's now to our peril. So our Liberty Pastors camps are three-day training camps. We heavily subsidize them mm-hmm. to where it's a very uh, a cost-effective uh, uh, vacation, second honeymoon for pastors <laughs> and their wives. 
However, since we're subsidizing it heavily, we require 20 hours of their time for continuing education. And, of course, we have Matt Staver come in as one of our teachers and talk about the law. But we we teach for 20 hours on biblical principles of civil government, then how to engage easily in their church. We give them some next steps. We encourage them to open home schools or partner with homeschool co-ops in their church buildings Mm -hmm. as we now see just what kind of poison is being fed to our kids in the public school setting. Uh, We encourage the churches to start salt and light ministries, which are basically worldview uh, um, ministries within your church. They also take care of voter registration, keeping the pastor updated on issues. And uh, we've just seen a dramatic conversion of nearly 1,400 churches, primarily in, in Florida and Texas, uh, we've been in Missouri, Oklahoma, uh, Arkansas. Mm-hmm. We've been in. Uh, we've been as far up as Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Our last conference last year. But it's amazing, David. You know, we've got pastors that have graduated this camp, and of course, the most important thing is that they're they're discipling their people in comprehensive biblical worldview. Yes. So this is a permanent change in the culture around those churches. Uh, but also, we've seen some of these pastors do some amazing things. One of them has uh, is now serving in the uh, uh, Florida House of Representatives. Wow. We've got another one down in Lake Wells, Florida, that ran for mayor and now is the mayor. Hmm. So it's, it's, it's really been fun to see just how organic the response is among our pastors. But we're, we're making plans right now for 2023 and 24. We hope to have 10 camps over the next two years. And it looks like the first one we're going to be doing will be partnering with Liberty University. Awesome. And we'll be doing one in Lynchburg, it looks like, coming up in July. But I'd invite your listeners to visit our website, libertypastors.com. All of our videos and things are on there. They can enjoy the education free of charge. Mm -hmm. And then we'd welcome them to donate if they would like to, because this is an important ministry, and it takes money to do these camps. So, uh, of course, we've got a donate button on the website. It is under the umbrella of our church, so it's tax-deductible. And we welcome all the assistance, and we also welcome them to use our website all sorts of resources there, and we invite them to enjoy them for free. And it's incredible. It's an extensive list, and, and all these presentations from the conferences are there. And our pastor uh, up here in Wisconsin went and attended one, and he really enjoyed it. And uh, so it's, it's really a blessing. Well, well, we've seen a lot of these pastors go back as we give them notebooks. I mean, about you know two, three hundred page notebooks with you know PDFs of all the materials that they hear in the conference. And virtually to a man, every one of the pastors that goes back after going to our camp will wind up working a sermon series out of our notebooks. And they're welcome to, to copy our messages directly or, or make their own. But they go back and they teach their their people uh, biblical principles of civil government. You know, God established four realms of government. David, it doesn't all revolve around the White House. You know, first of all, in Garden of Eden, there was the establishment of self-government. And then God established the family. And, of course, certain things were entrusted to family government. And then, of course, God established the church, and certain things were, were entrusted to the responsibility of the church for safekeeping. And then the civil government doesn't matter whether you read Romans 13 or Paul's letter to Timothy or Peter's letter to Dispersed or read in the Psalms or, or, or anywhere in Scripture where it talks about what God designed civil government for. It's to punish evildoers 
and to protect those of us that do well, Mm -hmm. that we may live peaceably in all godliness. It's not the civil government's responsibility to tell you to wear a mask or to take vitamin C or anything else. Uh, It's not the civil government's responsibility to uh, educate your children. You know, that was entrusted to family government. So anyway... We, we teach this very simple, uh, comprehensive biblical worldview. And, and quite frankly, pastors think differently from there on out. And then their, their, their congregation is fully discipled. Whereas right now in most churches, you know, quite frankly, we ignore about 75% of life. We say that that belongs to the secular world. Well, for a Christian, everything we do is supposed to belong to the Lord Jesus. We're supposed to glorify God in all that we do. So that's where we help connect the dots with these pastors. Yeah, uh, Paul, I have a question for you. Um, you know, as we all know, we're facing a multi-front war in the church. It's hard to keep up. There's, in the church. In the church, <laughs> yeah, everywhere. And and the things that the pastors have to deal with and stay current with, it's very difficult. Uh, I'm finding that apologists and uh, prophecy students are on the older side of things. And I guess my question for you is, what is the general age range at your events? Do we have younger pastors or what 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 kind of what's the demographic for you actually we've got a pretty good cross section and the thing that we've done is we've kind of baited the hook and we have found uh, that we have had pastors in fact we had one on our last week we have we have do continuing education calls once a month and uh, in our call last week we had a pastor that had been a, a well-established pastor he is probably in his 60s uh, but he saw the topics that we were speaking about and he traveled from Illinois to St. Louis to attend one of the conferences there but there was another pastor a younger pastor in his 30s that oddly enough is lives here in Oklahoma and he traveled to Orlando because we were having a camp there and he and his wife loved to go to Orlando so the whole reason they went is because it was a cheap vacation but once they got there and were confronted with mm. the evidence uh, scriptural evidence they were hit right between the eyes and they have transformed i mean they now they get it and they're 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 one they're one of us you know what i call world 24/7 worldview pastors so we we really have had a success at reaching all ages and you know it's fascinating apologetics the facts of christianity appeal to everybody and i think that that's an area we certainly need to emphasize today cuz you know, I'm, I'm 60. You know, when I, when I was growing up, virtually all of my classmates attended church somewhere or at least were members somewhere. And, and nobody denied that the Bible was God's word. Well, well now we live in a, a godless society. So, you know, apologetics, the evidences of the facts of our faith, I think is very important. And of course, it's also very interesting. And, uh, and then worldview. I mean, the term Christian means I'm a follower of Christ. Well, what does that mean? Do we just follow Christ to church on Sunday mornings? Well, no. We're supposed to be glorifying the Lord in all that we do. That's right. So, you know, our ethics should reflect the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our families should reflect the Lordship of Jesus Christ. You know, how we handle money. There's about half of the Proverbs talk about proper handling of money. So, but, but we don't teach any of that as pastors. But uh, we are now. As pastors are getting introduced to this, they're loving it and uh, jumping in with both feet. So, Paul, uh, 50 years ago, I'll just throw that out yeah. there. <laughs> um, yeah. Past, first of all, the seminaries have changed. We've done a lot of podcasts on the, the just declining biblical worldview and the belief in the inerrancy of scriptures mm-hmm. in many seminaries. But that right. set aside, 50 years ago, 
a lot of pastors would never have thought they would have to address things like gender, uh, things like a critical race theory, and things like you know homosexuality. Things like, so they they have to talk about. Well, actually, they don't have to talk about these. Some of them are afraid to. A lot of them are not equipped to. And I know right. you guys address any right. and every issue, correct? Right, and that's why we help these guys to uh, to see that. And, you know, there's no such thing as social justice. There's just biblical justice. Mm-hmm. And of course, you go back and you read through Scripture. You know, you were uh, in, in Israel. You weren't supposed to show preference to the poor or to the rich. You know, that's where we got the concept of justice being blind. That's how it's supposed to be. Uh, you know, you talked about uh, the race issue. Well, there aren't. There's only one race, human race. You go back and follow any of our lineage back far enough and we all wind up in the Garden of Eden. So, you know, we, we teach pastors to think of all of these. You know, Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun, and the reality is there isn't anything new under the sun. You know, we're, we're here we are, sophisticated in the year 2023, and we basically have the same old sin nature that they had prior to the flood. You know, man wants to wish it, worship Baal and Moloch and, and Ashtaroth and have sex with whoever he wants, whenever he wants, as often as he wants, and then kill the product of those unions by offering in the fires of, of Moloch. You know, we, we don't want to be told what to do. We want to have sex with whoever we want to, whenever we want to, and then just abort the baby. So mm. we're just, there's not, there's not a new sin. It's That's the right. same old sin nature. We just now have cell phones and air conditioning. So <laughs> you know, we, we point out that obvious truth to pastors. And, and again, once you're, the, the number one t- term we have from pastors is, is transformed. Virtually to a man, these guys will come out of these conferences and say, you've transformed my ministry. I had one guy tell me, the scales have been removed from my eyes. I understand it now. So, you know, once, you, once you've seen something, you can't unsee it. And that's why these camps are so important. We introduce these guys to something that's really just obvious, but they've just never been taught to see it. In fact, they've been taught to ignore it. And once yes. they start seeing their Bible uh, with 24-7 biblical worldview goggles, then their ministry is permanently changed. And everybody that sits under them from this point forward will be affected by, by proper discipleship. So that's why, this, that's why this ministry is so important. Mm-hmm. And that's why we've had, we're so thrilled with the success we had. And quite frankly, I'm not surprised by it. I'm not surprised by the success we've had. Paul, last night on uh, Hulu... Uh, there was a premiere of something called the 1619 Project, and it's a oh. mini-series by oh. Nicole Hannah-Jones of, of New course. York Times Magazine and, of course, Harpo, which is Oprah. Um, so we know the players, we can kind of figure that out. But, you know, I notice when you go online to look and see what this is, of course, all everything is ordered in such a way that you will never find anything negative about it anymore. It's all very promotional. Could you briefly tell people, um, you know, because families might be watching this, they have no idea what this is. Could you just define this for us? Well, yeah, 1619 Project uh, basically says that America is an evil, terrible place, uh, which explains why uh, everybody is trying to cross the border illegally to get here because we're such a terrible, evil place. (laughs) But basically, the 1619 Project uh, operates under the premise that America has been built on the backs of slavery. And uh, that's just blatantly dishonest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, America, the, the whole world, slavery has been a part of the world since Genesis. Yep. In fact, the first enslaved race was Joseph and the Hebrew people. So that's all. And by the way, under the law, 
you can enslave yourself in debt, and you may have to work off a, a, a debt that you have, but the concept of stealing a man to steal his labor under the law was the death penalty. So it was never acceptable biblically, but uh, but we know that uh, slavery has always been around in man's existence, and it was all over the world in the 1600s and 1700s. What's interesting is the first slave ship that came to New England. Uh, the the Pilgrims and the Puritans took the slave that that slave ship captain uh, hot, uh, prisoner, and they sent the slaves back to Africa hmm. because in New England it was very they're very much opposed to slavery. Of course, the southern states being heavily influenced by the Anglican Church of the Church of England, which had a, a status system. You know, you, under the Church of England, you had nobility and commoners, and you had the divine right of kings and all this nonsense. Well, the northern states were, were basically, you know, uh, independent community churches that came out of that Puritanic and, and the separatist uh, worldview. So that's why there weren't, weren't Slavery was not predominant in the North, never was. It was in the South. But look at that. Look at our history. You know, America took what? We had our Declaration of Independence in 1776. It only took us about 70 years to get it right. <laughs> Where if you look around the world today, there are more slaves on planet Earth today than there ever were in the 1800s or 1700s. You know, different websites report somewhere between 27 and 40 million slaves on planet Earth today. But those slaves are in communist China right. or in Muslim nations, so that doesn't fit the narrative. Right. You know, the hypocrisy of, of, of like the NBA as they pander to yep. communist China, yes. even though communist China is still today full of slaves and organ harvesting and things of that nature. Mm. But they But they criticize America. For, yeah, we, we, we had it wrong for, a, for a, almost a century, but we got it right. And uh, quite frankly, we weren't the only ones. The entire world was, uh, was covered with the idea of slave trade, you know, 100, 150 years ago. So the, the whole premise, all of this gets back to the Marxist strategy that America is an evil nation. America's form of government, i.e. our Constitution, must be replaced. Mm -hmm. And, of course, what they want to replace it with is a socialist, a communist utopia. Yes. And we know that that doesn't exist. Everywhere communism is established, it always fails. But, um, you know, that's, that's what they're trying to do to the United States now. Paul Blair, uh, your co-pastor is Dan Fisher, another troublemaker for the kingdom. I love you yep. guys. Uh, what a great tag team. Um, I think it's appropriate. Uh, for us, it might be redundant, but we have a lot of new listeners since you were last on the podcast. Can you just give um, a summary of the Black Robed Regiment and some of that history, too, please? Sure. Well, as I said a moment ago, you know, America has been different. You know, think about it. We're the, we're the only Christians in 2,000 years of Christian history that haven't been persecuted for our Christianity. Now, that may change very soon with yeah. some of these new federal laws. However, there's a reason. It wasn't by accident. You know, uh, Christianity was persecuted all the way back to from the birth of the church in Acts 2. You know, the, had the Sanhedrin persecuting the early apostles. You had the pagan Roman Empire persecuting Christianity. You had the Holy Roman Catholic Church persecuting the sinners. You know, and as I just mentioned, the communist nations today and Muslim nations today persecute Christians. Only in America and only for the last 250 years have we been able to enjoy civil liberty and religious liberty mm -hmm. as believers. And that wasn't by accident, that was by design. 
And when you go back and you look at what America was founded on, it was founded on a biblical worldview. Quite frankly, that's what Thomas Jefferson meant when he said the laws of nature and nature's God. Mm-hmm. According to Blackstone, which was the, the, the legal authority of the day, that's a biblical worldview. So, you know, look at Massachusetts. Massachusetts the, and the entire government there was founded on basically a church, church relocation. It was, it was founded by the Pilgrim and Puritan migration. And, of course, Roger Williams left Massachusetts. Pastor Roger Williams was the founder of Rhode Island. We have Thomas Hooker that left and went to Connecticut. Pastor Thomas Hooker was the founder of Connecticut. Hmm. So the common denominator, the common thread, is all these pastors involved. So the citizens of the New England colonies were taught civil government from a biblical perspective. And, of course, those pastors that had been the children coming out of the Great Awakening were those that were alive and in practice as King George continued to break English law and enslave his citizens in the New World. You know, when they put British troops in homes over here, it wasn't because they were so popular, but it was acts of tyranny, trying to intimidate and force control over the colonists. And it was the king that was breaking laws. It wasn't the colonists. So it was these pastors that had a proper understanding of proper civil government that were in their pulpits. And as history records, on Sundays, they would stir the people's hearts towards liberty. Mm -hmm. And these pastors were bold men. They didn't have any backup in them. And not only did they preach about liberty from tyranny, but they were willing to fight for it as well. Yes. As many of them were commissioned to raise regiments to become um, uh, military commanders. Mm -hmm. And we had many, many episodes of pastors that literally pastored their churches on Sunday and then led their militias during the rest of the week. And, of course, some actually left the ministry and became vocational soldiers. But uh, there's, there's numerous examples of that. In fact, I'll just share one. Sure. You know, everybody's aware of the midnight ride of Paul Revere, Mm -hmm. the Battle of Lexington and Concord. But what most of us weren't taught in history was that that very first, the very first shots fired in the War for Independence that were fired there at Lexington, those 77 Lexington militia Minutemen were actually largely members of Pastor Jonas Clark's church and Deacon John Parker. And they would, they had basically a committee of defense which was their local Minutemen. And they actually would have church on Sundays, and then they would eat, and they would drill in the afternoon how to defend their community. So the first shots fired between New between England and New England, which would we call the Battle of Lexington, of course, our, our war for independence, was actually a battle fought between the Redcoats and the Church of Lexington, led by Pastor Jonas Clark and Deacon John Parker. So that's how deep our history runs, and it was those pastors. They were actually given the nickname, it was supposed to be a derogatory nickname, uh, Black Robe Regiment, given by a, a, um, a judge from Massachusetts that was a Tory. He was a loyalist. But uh, since pastors of the day wore black robes, and since they would stir their people's hearts toward liberty, they were given this derogatory nickname, which they wore as a badge of honor, but they were called the Black Regiment or the Black Robe Regiment. So that's the history of, our, of, the, of the pulpit in America. Mm, we had amazing. bold men 
that were willing to not only teach the truth, but fight for the truth. I miss those days. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean the, the truth of those. Uh, but then there's people like uh, uh, Bill Cook and others, Stefan Mannion yeah. out in uh, New York. They're they're doing our the, what's called the Acts five twenty nine uh, yeah. movement. Yeah. There's there's good things that are branching off of Liberty oh, Pastors. Sure. Yeah, and Acts five twenty nine came out of our of our training. Yep. You know, yep. Steve Mannion was a graduate of one of our camps, so awesome. that's another example of some of the organic response that we're seeing from pastors that, mm-hmm. that go through our, our Liberty Pastors training camps. Yeah. Well, Paul, um, what do you think about, we only have about five minutes left before I have to mm-hmm. take a break. Um, a lot of people, well, not a lot of our listeners, but some people might say, well, what about the separation of church and state? Shouldn't pastors avoid these, quote, political issues? Like, you know, a, a boy says he's a girl and, you know, hormones and nonsense and and that's because pastors haven't been on these issues that we've allowed this stuff to even take root Mm. Uh, again what part of your life is Jesus not the Lord over it's only those subjects that you shouldn't talk about in church but as I understand it Jesus is supposed to be the Lord not just on Sunday mornings but he's supposed to be the Lord Mm 24-7 and the separation of church and state is purely a lie Yes, Uh, what that means is that we, we have, the church is not controlled by the state. You know, in most countries prior to the United States of America, whatever the religion of the king was, was forcibly the religion of the people. So, for example, in England, every British citizen was christened into and made a member of the Church of England. You didn't have a choice. As a matter of fact, that's, that's the law that the pilgrims were breaking. Mm-hmm. They were having their own church services outside of the authority of the Church of England. Therefore, that made them criminals. That was the law. That's why they were on the run. That's why they were hunted. So I had to leave the country. So an, an established state church is just that. There was mandatory membership, mandatory tie, mandatory attendance. Well, the separation of church and state is where the government does not control the church. And that's what we have here in America. That's what was so exceptional. You know, America was overtly Christian. You know, even secular historians that study uh, the uh, study history, uh, they say a, a woman from uh, a New York University named Patricia Bonomi did a great research project a couple of decades ago, and she concluded that 98% of the citizens of the 13 colonies at the time of the signing of the Declaration were Protestant. Not just Christian identifying, but Protestant Christians. The other 2% were Catholic and Jew. Hmm. So we were literally 100% Judeo-Christian in our worldview. But you weren't required to join the Baptist Church or the Methodist Church or the Church of England or the Church of America. So that, that's what the separation of church and state is. It protects the church from being controlled by the state, but it certainly does not, never has in America, protected the state government from being influenced by the church. And we, we better get on our horses now, guys, with all this nonsense of this transgender insanity. You know, again, that's the thing where we need to teach a biblical worldview. You know, God created men and God created women, and we should learn to glorify God as he has created us. And, of course, God established the home. It's supposed to be one man and one woman raising their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So if we pastors would get back in proper training of our people, then perhaps we would more easily be able to refute these lies as they keep percolating up. 
Um, Paul, did I hear a rumor that they're letting you in the blue state of Massachusetts, possibly to do a Liberty <laughs> Pastors conference? Is that right? Yeah, we're looking at we're looking. We want to do one in Plymouth, and I think we're going to be able to make that happen. <laughs> oh but, wow! You know, yes, there, there's there are pastors there that 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 want to. Well, quite frankly, there's some, Paul Zaley is a warrior. He's already there. There's some good ones there, but but they want us to come up there, and I can't think of a better place, <laughs> you know. Than boy, I, I would love to do a pastor camp there in in Plymouth. One of my favorite uh, historical sites to visit in all the world. So it, it's not set yet, but it looks like it will be. Again, I just invite everybody, David, to visit our website. We will keep it updated, uh, but all these resources are there and available free of charge. We will keep people updated as our as our schedule develops. Uh, and then, of course, we do we do welcome their donations because these camps aren't free, and uh, they they cost us money to put on, and that's that's really what it takes for us to do these. So we we can use all the help we can get. Well, Paul, thank you so much for what you do. And my, if our newer listeners, again, I went to I was blessed to be able to go to two Liberty Pastors conferences, and uh, the first one I attended in Dallas two three years ago really was a catalyst in my life for. Just a ministry and different things, a recommitment, and it was just such a blessing, and I'm honored to call these men friends. Plus, Paul, um, we kind of borrowed a lot of your guest speakers to be guests on the podcast, <laughs> and they still are guests on the podcast. But um, thank you for all you do. We really appreciate it. I know you've got a Zoom call coming up, and uh, you've got to run, but we will keep in touch, brother. God bless your ministry. Anytime. Thank you for having me on as a guest. I'm always happy to do so. God bless the both of you. Uh, thanks, Paul. You too. All right. We also, when we come back, we're going to talk about activists that won a legal battle to force Christian Baker, uh, Jack Phillips, to make a transgender cake. There's an update in that story. Plus, Andy Stanley taken to task again for remarks on gays and the church. And even Bill Maher slams the public school chaos as outrageous. Also, Senator Ted Cruz introduced a bill that would stop the Biden administration from selling oil from the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve to China. Oh, my goodness. So much to talk about. We'll do that as much as we can when we come back on Stand Up for the Truth. Keep it right here. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Andy Stanley, Jack Phillips, and the, quote, tolerant LGBTQ activists, and even Bill Maher. We're talking about some odd names today. But before we do that, uh, Mayor's got a story that we uh, need to address that Ted Cruz is doing something that I, I believe it's very important. Mayor, share with us about that story. Yeah, um, the headline is, New Cruise Bill Ends Sales of SPR Oil to China and CCP-owned CCP, uh, companies. And it says, uh, Senator Ted Cruz introduced a bill Wednesday that would stop the Biden administration from selling oil from the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve to China and Chinese Communist Party Owned companies. The Strategic Petroleum Reserve was intended to ensure that America had sufficient oil reserves in the event of an emergency, Cruz said in a statement. Instead, Joe Biden sold a portion of this critical national security asset to the Chinese Communist Party when the CCP was stockpiling oil for its own strategic use. And while Americans are paying higher and higher prices for fuel, because of the Biden administration's disastrous energy policies. What I get out of this is he is taking 
Uh, Biden is allowing our reserves to be taken from our country and sent to the other country. And I didn't know this was going on at all. So the fact that he introduced a bill is an eye-opener for me. But I just can't believe that, uh, well, I can. I can. What am I thinking? Um, but it's good to know these things because it's, it's wicked. So strategic, stra- strategic petroleum reserves. Um, we, there have been people that have written about this that they're concerned that it's, it, it's almost as if the Biden administration is doing this on purpose, mm-hmm. using up as much of those, so we would have to rely on foreign oil. Um, have you heard of those stories, too? Yeah, and, and it says here, part of this article says, Biden first ordered the Department of Energy to tap into the SPR in November 2021, saying it was a major effort to moderate the price of oil oh, and lower prices at the average corner gas station. So, of course, they're going to spin he, it anyway. He's doing want. it for the people. It's, it's, it's just all, yeah, it's all just for us. He's doing it for the, um, we the people. That's right. I, I was a little shocked by that story that, that our oil reserves were somehow for sale, especially to China. I, yes. I, this is news to me. Yes. Okay. Um, breaking news as of yesterday. Oh, my goodness. Jack Phillips. He's been in the news. He's just he's just a bakery owner in Colorado. Uh, Masterpiece uh, Cake Shop, I believe, is the name of his business. And since 2012, he's been dragged through the courts by the intolerant LGBTQ mob. Now, I'm not saying all LGBTQ people, individuals, are activists. However, there's enough of them that want to force change. In America, and they will trample your religious freedom to do it. So, what's the recent headline? There, he's back in the in the courts again because this time he won the case um, that started in 2012. You may recall um, four years ago, almost five. Phillips won a partial Supreme Court case after being sued for refusing to bake a wedding cake for two homosexuals. Legal battles began for him again in 2012. All he wanted to do is run, run his business and live according to his Christian faith, right? In other words, saying no to celebrate something that he determined, and of course the Bible says is not biblical. Mm-hmm. We should not be forced to celebrate that or to be a part of that. We should be able to say no. So that he won that partial victory in 2018 at the Supreme Court. Now, a transgender came into his shop and said, hey, I want a trans cake. Um, what's the guy's what's name? What's a trans cake? A transgender cake. Uh, his name is, and I'm going to say his because I, he identifies as a woman, but his name is Autumn Scardina. He changed his name to Autumn Scardina. He demanded a Jack Phillips, I believe it's, it was 2019, create a cake with the colors of the transgender mm. flag, oh. a blue, or pink cake with blue, light blue, the flag to celebrate his self-professed sexual identity. So, of course, again, Phillips denied. He refused making the cake. So Scardina filed this complaint, and now the the latest headline from yesterday is uh, Phillips lost this legal battle to force him to make this cake. It's just like, how long is this going to... So Alliance Defending Freedom is representing Phillips. They are going to appeal this. But Mayor... I, we've heard similar stories about, remember, what's her name? Baronelle Stutzman up in Washington. She owned a, a flower shop. All she right. said, she's a grandmother. All she said was, I do not want to uh, provide 
I mean, there's 10, 12 flower shops in the same city, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She just said, I don't want to provide uh, flowers for this homosexual wedding, and they dragged her to court. Well, and they're not asking Muslims to bake the cakes, and they're not asking Muslims no. to provide the flowers, or Hindus, mm-hmm. or Buddhists, and, and so it's clearly just persecution. It's of right from, from the pit of hell, and yep. my heart goes out to these people who are spending all their life savings on their and, business, on their business yeah. and trying to just defend. Um, and we need to pray for um, our brothers and sisters that are facing this domestic uh, persecution. Yeah, and pray for Jack Phillips. I can't imagine. I, th- I believe he's a grandfather, too, now. Wow. Um, and he's been going through this for over a decade, friends. So the, so the, the preachers of tolerance are sometimes the least tolerant. When it comes to allowing you to live your life, they just want to quote, live and let live, right? Mm-hmm. No, they're, they're, it's, it's all based on lies. Yep, so yep. pay for them. I mean, there's bed and breakfast owners, uh, you know, there's all kinds of photographers, Christian photographers, and others that have been sued. Right. Um, and again, they can go a- uh, elsewhere to find services. You know, it's, they're right. not they're, a Christian business owner. That's not the only right. person that will offer those services. So, Mayor, what do you have next? Um, well, it's all about being militant. How about this? Bucks halftime drag oh, show goodness. sparks debate on social media. Wait a okay. minute now. For those uh, <clears throat> listeners that are not in the Midwest, the yeah. Milwaukee Bucks mm-hmm. is an NBA basketball team that it's woke with the whole NBA Sports mm-hmm. League, NBA, BLM, CRT, Black Lives Matter, Global Network. Um, so they are all affiliated now also with LGBTQ, and they have right. – every team has a Pride Night. Mm-hmm. Now, was that a Pride Night or yeah. was this a separate event? It was a Pride Night. Um, it says the Milwaukee Bucks featured a drag show as part of their Pride Night festivities on Wednesday with the event taking place at halftime against the Denver Nuggets. Fans going to the game were able to purchase a ticket package for which they received a Bucks Pride scarf and a beanie uh, for those to show off their support. They also showcased those – who identify, who identify those in the community. Okay. The drag show drew mixed reviews, I can imagine, on social media and sparked debate among some NBA fans and critics from those who were concerned about children being in the stands. I mean, it's one thing to go to this of your own volition. It's another thing to be forced to look at it. That's a totally different thing. And it says here also, in addition to the pride celebrations, Pfizer Forum down in Milwaukee announced Tuesday that it joined the Safe Place Initiative and was marked by the Milwaukee Police Department as a, quote, safe space for the underrepresented members of our community, including LGBTQIA, uh, and call police if you need assistance. Jeez. So this is nothing new. It just happened in our neck of the woods yeah. last night. I mean, we've heard it across the country. And the most recent development, I think we talked about last week, it's gotten, I mean, this, this corporate push for the LGBTQ it's gotten to the NHL. When it gets to yeah. the Na- – and again, the NHL is like the NASCAR right. of pr- pro sports leagues. And it got to the NHL, and one player refused to wear a pride mm-hmm. patch or something on his jersey and didn't go out, and he is being raked over the coals. And so, oh, uh, freedom for everybody else, but not for you. Except now his jersey is is sold out everywhere. That's right. His I heard own that. jersey. I heard that. You know, talk about uh, – and that happens <clears throat> That happens many times if, if they say, well, don't go to this movie or that movie – well, what makes people go to this or that movie more? By saying, don't go. <laughs> yeah, interesting. So now let's talk about Andy Stanley. Andy, Andy, Andy. So he may be a pop star who leads a, a big mega church. Uh, I think it's in, in Atlanta. But um, uh, he's not definitely not a biblical uh, preacher of the truth, we can say. And uh, Alex McFarland 
happens to say uh, Stanley is not even a New Testament pastor. Mm -hmm. So there's a clip making the rounds of (laughs) this megachurch pastor, Andy Stanley, talking about, well, let me just quote him, and you can hear where he's going. A gay person, this is Andy Stanley saying, a gay person who still wants to attend church after the way the church has treated the gay community, I'm telling you, they have more faith than I do. We have some things to learn from a group of men and women who love Jesus that much and who want to worship with us. And then he says, I know 1 Corinthians 6, and I know Leviticus, and I know Romans 1, which are so interesting to talk about all that stuff. And I know the verses. I know the clobber passages, right? We've got to figure this out. So he is calling the Word of God clobber passages when it mentions biblical parameters for sex, biblical sexuality, when it mentions, and the Bible mentions that, wherever it was, Sodom and Gomorrah, that story could be a clobber passage, but that just happens to be world history. So, Mayor, this is the, this is the quote, pastor that uh, unhitched from the Old Testament many years ago and doesn't think that's as important, mm-hmm. even though that's the, the Bible, the Word of God. So you're, And I, I appreciate... Alex McFarland Mm -hmm. saying, if telling the truth of repentance and obedience toward the Savior, if that's attacking people, then so be it. But it's really not. He says, the most loving thing we can do is to tell people the truth. Now, this is Alex McFarland, who we've had on this show. He's an apologist uh, from North Carolina. And what truth could be more urgent and relevant than the truth of where we stand with a holy God, Mayor. Well, welcome to Andy Stanley's spin cycle. Exactly. Uh, the way he phrases that, they have more faith than I do. I mean, uh, oh my goodness, that's almost impossible to make any sense out of. But I love the, the guy who wrote this article, Steve Jordahl, says um, the oft theologically wayward Atlanta megachurch <laughs> pastor is apparently quite impressed with unrepentant homosexuals who come to church. I mean, that really sums it up. Uh, it, it you can't make this stuff up. It's churches like that. And the United Church of Christ and some United Methodist Church that wave the rainbow flag outside because they are, mm-hmm. they are quote, welcoming. And they'll have the Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. you know, banner up that just promoting Marxism and that uh, liberal ideology. And they're, they're the ones that were saying, all right, you, you now have to be very careful what you call a church. Anybody can be a church now. And you can represent anything. It doesn't have to be biblical anymore. In fact, that's the norm these seeker-sensitive, worldly, conforming to the world groups, associations, organizations that happen to meet in a building that still go by the banner of church, but is certainly not the New Testament church uh, from a biblical understanding. So next, um, (coughs) excuse me, when Bill Maher says something, every now and then, you know, even even a a broken clock is right twice a day, right? Right. Uh, He says, somebody needs to answer for it. What is he talking about? Bill Maher slams the public school chaos as outrageous. Now, he's, of course, comedian, HBO uh, host. He said Friday, listen to this, Bill Maher. Now, he's, I believe, an atheist. He mocks. He's a he's an equal opportunity mocker. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's true. (laughs) He said, Democrats have to answer for the problems currently plaguing the public school system because they control it. Stop right there. I agree. They run education in America. They run the powerful political entities being the teachers' unions. 
in America. They run the curriculum and they control what young children are being taught and how they're being programmed. So it takes someone like Bill Maher to make this headline. And again, he said Democrats have to answer for the problems plaguing the public school system. They control it. And so we've made this point many, 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 many times on this podcast, especially when we have educators on Sam Sorbo, Israel Wayne, um, Alex Newman, so many other educators, even Heidi St. John. She'll be on next month again. But we've made this point that uh, we've got to make sure our Christian children are getting out of these, what what does Alex Newman call them? Government brainwash camps. <laughs> Alex Newman, yeah. I love it. Government yeah. brainwash camps. Now, friends, I 25 years ago to say such a thing would be like, eh, that might be a little harsh. I'm not sure that's accurate. Today, that's spot on. And that's mm-hmm. the sad part of where we're at. Mm-hmm. The NEA, National Education Association, has endorsed every Democrat candidate for president, going back to Jimmy Carter. Mm-hmm. They do not endorse Republicans. They are a Democrat-run and controlled teachers' union. And um, let's go back to uh, Bill Maher, what he said. He said, we live in a prison yard in this country, which is everything, which everything is tribal. And like anything that has to do with schools or education is something really the Democrats have to answer for because they control it. I mean, when you look at the Democratic convention, it's like three-quarters of them are teachers. My sister's a teacher. I'm a big defender of teachers. But what's going on in schools is outrageous, and someone needs to answer it. End quote. This is fascinating, Mayor, because now we're, we're talking, if Bill Maher is an atheist, he sees what's going on mm-hmm. with t- grooming young children as wrong. They're, making, they're grooming kids sexually and making social justice activists. Mm-hmm. An atheist who doesn't get his morality from the Bible... Right. who apparently has no morality because he's an atheist, he's saying this is wrong, what's happening in the schools, and Democrats have to answer for it. Isn't this yeah. fascinating? Bill Maher is an enigma because every, <laughs> every week or two, he's a critical thinker, and he's his own worst enemy because he ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth is oh, Bill Maher because he's, he yes. is he's so bright, and he understands, he looks at both sides of an issue, and not many people even do that anymore. They just parrot yeah. what they've heard. And I, I appreciate him that way. I just, I just wish that he would, that the lights would go on for him and he would understand why he even understands any of this. Mm. Yeah, but I just find that to be so interesting. <laughs> yeah. And guys, I, I don't, I don't assume that everybody that's listening right now, if you're listening to us, you know, talk about this, I don't assume that you've been following these issues for decades mm-hmm. like Mary and I have. I've written about education quite a bit. I've done some research on the teachers' unions. and I, I mean, they're about money, and they're about politics. Uh, they're not about education. Um, yes, they call it education, but you can call it whatever you want. Once you take truth out and biblical truth, you remove God, remove the Bible, remove the uh, prayer, voluntary prayer from government-run schools, and then you start taking down Ten Commandments monuments and you're supporting all this, and then that leaves an awfully big void when you, when, once you remove the, the Christian worldview. That void has to be filled with something, and that something has been the LGBTQ agenda, uh, gender ideology. Now they're teaching something about snowbread, snow, snowman person or something like gender bread and snowman 
and they're using seriously they're they're using these things to teach transgenderism uh. and gender ideology to young children thinking that oh they might not listen to a teacher go through a list of bullet points but they'll look at a genderbred like a gingerbread man they call it a gender genderbred person genderbred mayor have you ever tasted genderbread i sure haven't but anyway, young children in schools are, oh, are tasting that all across the country. Oh, and if you think I'm making this up, just look it up, friends. Do mm-hmm. some research on your own. And um, it's, it's really sad what's happening. Uh, so do you have another story there? I do. Otherwise, just, I could ramble on education for um, an hour. Yeah, and I just, I just want to uh, talk about uh, every year I watch the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists to see how close <laughs> they think we are to doomsday. And it's based on the atomic bomb. It's founded in 1945 by Albert Einstein and University of Chicago scientists who helped develop the first atomic weapons, the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists created the Doomsday Clock two years later using the imagery of the apocalypse and a clock. So every year in January, they move it closer to midnight. They've been moving it every year. Now it's 90 seconds to annihilation. And the reason I say that is uh, the headline that goes with that is uh, we learned the other day that Poland uh, wanted to send uh, German weaponry to the Ukraine and German didn't want Germany didn't want anything to do with it. Well, now it's being reported that the German government has reversed course and they're sending Leopard 2 tanks to the Ukraine. On the other side, the Russians have chosen to send a warship armed with hypersonic missiles within shooting range of major East Coast cities. So it's no wonder the clock is ticking ever closer to midnight. Um, and these are unbelievers. They don't know that the apocalypse you know, could be in this generation. They have no idea, but then they, they continue to tell us why they think that. Um, you know, uh, the whole NATO, Ukraine, um, Europe, uh, Russia thing that's going on is someday, I believe, this is a very dangerous game they're playing. Yeah. And someday it's going to be, oh, I don't know, it's going to mm-hmm. really, it's really going to spill out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know when that is. It's up, this in the God Lord's knows. hands. Yes, God yeah. knows. But, it's not good. And, and friends, just another reminder for some encouragement. We trust in God's mm-hmm. sovereignty, and I'm reminded often to, to pray that prayer. Teach us to number our days mm-hmm. that we might, might gain hearts of wisdom. And uh, God has us here f- today in this place and time, wherever you're at, to, to be used by him, to glorify him, as Pastor Paul Blair said in the last segment, in every area of your lives, and that means public lives, Yes, you can glorify God in private, but you can't truly, you know, really use the fruit of the Holy Spirit and other things, the the ministry, the talents, and the the resources that God's given you until you go out your church door. First, mm-hmm. get out of your your door in your home, mm-hmm. and get out of the church door, and Monday through Saturday, you can be impacting mm-hmm. people for Christ. We are the church. It's yeah. not a building. It's the people. The people. And people Ecclesia. lose sight of that. Yes, we are the church. We are the called out ones. So. We have five minutes, and I found another one. Um, this sto- these stories are going to c- continue to come up. I don't think we talked about that on the on the air. When I was going through the headlines. I saw this N- NFL player, uh, not not Demar Hamlin. This is another guy, uh, twenty five years old. He died mm-hmm. suddenly. This is a brand new headline as of yesterday. So I was looking at those headlines, but. Diamond and Silk have been a very popular duo. Um, they're they're conservative. I don't know if you know about them at all, but um, let me just read the the headline. Um, Silk, they, I believe they're sisters. Yes, they are sisters. Uh, talks about how Diamond died suddenly in her kitchen, and she said, "I want America to wake up and pay attention. Something ain't right." 
So it was a memorial last weekend, I believe. Um, Lynette Hardaway, who goes by Diamond, um, told the crowd of supporters, including President Trump that was there, because he was very supportive of them, that the vaccine may have been a factor in her sister's sudden Mm. death. You very rarely hear that on any of these cases where someone young or especially these athletes or relatively healthy had had anything to do with the vaccine. So Silk is calling for an investigation. She said there's something going on. She spoke to the crowd before President Trump spoke as well. But she described how her sister died and how she tried to save her. Um, And these, I don't know how old they, they are. The sisters, I, I think they're like 40. I don't know. I don't know either. Um, but, um, yeah, but they've been in the spotlight because they are conservatives. Right. And they're two black women who are mm-hmm. sisters and conservatives that actually supported President Trump. And, uh-oh, that's, you can't right. do that. You can't do that if you're black. But anyway, um, so God bless her as she grieves. Yeah. And um, I don't know where her faith is at. The Bible says we don't grieve as those who have no hope. So as she mourns her sister and tries to get to the bottom of this, the truth of it and what caused this, I hope we find more, I find out more about this and what happened. I hope we do, Mayor. But this is, uh, I think it was, was it Peter McCullough or a, a different doctor about two years ago? Don't quote me because I'm paraphrasing. Uh, at least one, many, several doctors that were truth d- defenders actually said, they warned about the vaccines. They did not agree with them. They did not promote them. They were against them. And, and several, if not more, of these doctors said this: these are not good for people and you will not see the full effect of these vaccines for 18 months. Mm-hmm. We're, so we're talking about a year and a half. So mm-hmm. 18 months from the time a person was vaccinated, there's a, some, not everybody, because we all have different makeups, genetic makeups in our in health histories and things like that. Yeah. And what, what, so it's a year and a half for a lot of these people and a lot of these athletes. A lot of people, wow. there's airline pilots that we talked about right. the other day, three. We just rattled off three names, told you what airline they worked mm-hmm. for and told you that, that they, they died suddenly or they, one of them had a stroke or they had heart attacks. So here are cases now that are apparently coming out where athletes are dropping, mm-hmm. and it's a year and a half after they got the vaccine. I do not – I'm trying to connect the dots, friends. I'm not making a solid conclusion here, but you can connect the dots and, and, and try to get this information and, and with what we know now mm-hmm. that we didn't know two years ago. Mm-hmm. And why, why the specific demographic that we're seeing, a lot of young men – uh, is it just following a booster? Is it, did they only that get the one, too. um, the Pfizer booster from December? I, you know, it's almost impossible to follow mm. the, you know, the bouncing ball here. I mean, it's almost impossible to figure this out, but we know something's wrong and that's getting more obvious by the day. Something is horribly wrong in, in our culture and our society and, and just amongst the population. And that's why I think that some of these, I don't know if they're doing autopsies and, and right. mm-hmm. toxicology reports or whatever they do. I think that's why they're coming out and they're not determining. I, I don't know. Yeah. There's so much yeah. we still don't know. Yep. But for those of us who are awake and paying attention to this, we, uh, we've we warned, we've tried to caution people about this. We don't have all the answers, but we sure are starting to put more together as we're seeing more of these cases. But just, just 
Yeah. Pray for wisdom. Yeah, come Lord Jesus. Yes, and come Lord Jesus. Well, guys, uh, that that week went by fast. Um, mm-hmm. We've got uh, Pamela Walk next week. She wrote a really interesting book called uh, 30, Bridge of Love, 30 True Stories of Faith in Action. That's Monday. Seth Gruber, pro-life activist, focused on equipping Christians and advocates, and he's the son of a pregnancy resource center. He's on next Tuesday. Jonathan Brentner, J.B. Hickson, and Mike Gendron next week. God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.